Time for another special edition, Bull Pick'em edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and we have a very, very jam-packed show today. It's a bit of a heavy one. It's the only one this week, but it'll get you right, ready for the holiday spirit. We're going to start out with Bradford Bruns, the return of Bull Pick'em. It is a two-part series. We're going to pick all the games from a little bit after the Florida Atlantic win. We started recording it during it, but we saw what was happening. Florida Atlantic beat down there. We start with the games that take place on the 20th of December today all the way through the 29th. We leave out New Year's Six games and the smaller bowl games after that. It's a very fun experience picking bowl games. A lot to break down there. And then Chris Miller returns to the show to break down the NFL's Week 15. What exactly is a catch? Do we know that? The Patriots winning by the skin of their teeth in Pittsburgh. And a another curious call in the Oakland-Dallas game down the stretch there. A lot of playoff scenarios coming to fruition. Still a lot to break down. It's the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect, we're back, we're ready to go. It's bull pick'em season and a time-honored tradition. Bradford Bruns on the show. Bradford, thanks for rejoining the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch, Merry Christmas, my friend. I wish you nothing but the best holiday tidings, as always, unless we're talking about bull pick'em, in which you know I will fight to the death. <laughs> I do I do know that. It's pick so loud and proud you hear it. It's Christmas time. We've got the spirit here, Bradford. Thanks for uh, for joining me. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling fresh. I'm, I'm all amped up for today's episode. Something to look forward to, even if it's friendly rivalry. There's no doubt about it. And my friend, hey, I have to admit, I will doff my proverbial cap to you because you began the bowl season, all 525 games last week, and actually on a bit of a run yourself, your marquee pick survived, advanced, really flourished with flying colors there. So, hey, you are off to a great start, and you're trying to avenge some of the, rectify some of the wrongdoing that was incurred by uh, yours truly in recent years. So it's all good, buddy. I mean, it's it's really, I really do thank you for that compliment. Uh, I don't know exactly <laughs> what went wrong last year, whether it was myself the Belk Bowl, any number of things could have happened uh, in in regards to why I sucked so much last year. But it's a new year. It's, it's a new year, new me, so I'm ready to go. And, uh, yeah, Boise State. You were just a, yeah. <laughs> Boise State getting that win in the Las Vegas Bowl. An outright win as underdogs. They were touchdown underdogs, and they won that game. But the first thing I want to do is just recap the games that we didn't get to. And not just recap, but just go through a, a tip of the cap to the winners North Carolina AT&T sure. over Grambling State in the Celebration Bowl. Can't miss that one every year. Um, the New Orleans Bowl went to Troy. They beat North Texas 50-30. to <laughs> Georgia State beat Western Kentucky in the Cure Bowl. Yeah, really, it's the Cure Bowl. Not the band, the actual Cure Bowl. Georgia State. At Camping <laughs> World Stadium, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Orlando. Marshall beat Colorado State in the New Mexico Bowl. Got to love... Uh, you know, the halftime dedication, I believe, was to Walter White, but Marshall wins that game 31-28. to And then Middle Tennessee beats Arkansas State in the, and I think I'm reading this right, the Camellia Bowl. So, the yeah. Camellia Bowl, yes. I know that you were really, you were psyched a few weeks ago when we first touched base about this. The Camellia Bowl as well as the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl, those were at the forefront of your consciousness then, if I'm not mistaken. They really were. Uh, I got to say, uh, just anything that has bad boy in it, I immediately think of a number of things. Um, Sean P. Diddy Combs, Martin Lawrence, and Will Smith 
and bowl football before uh, we get going to the New Year's Six. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, one, get, those, get, to. get those sequels off the ground already. Jeez. We need to. We need to. And we are recording this while the Boca Raton Bowl is going on right now, FAU and Akron. And I bring that up because this was the biggest spread in the entire bowl pick'em season, 22-point favorites. FAU closed that over Akron. I know we were both picking FAU. Let's let the cat out of the bag right there. FAU at the time, yeah. I think, is winning for 21-3 now. So it would be an outright miracle if Akron, if the Zips won this game. But this is the no-brainer pick, I would think, of the entire season. You cannot stop the lane train, nor can you stop his incessant trolling of one Nick Saban. Absolutely, that is a record-setting offense, though. And you're talking about in its home station for all intents and purposes as well, Mitch. So give me that Cherry Bundy, uh, Tart Cherry, Boca Raton Bowl. That is a mouthful, to say the least. All the way for Florida Atlantic. Sorry, Terry Bowden. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even realize Terry Bowden was the coach of Akron until like 30 seconds ago. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Hey. Bit of a nondescript uh, program there, especially for that, that defense. Heavens to Betsy. Seven and six Akron. Yeah, the lane trade unstoppable. Signed a 10-year contract, but I would bet smart money that he doesn't live out that deal. Just a hunch on my end. You think? <laughs> you on. think? Yeah. yeah, come on. But all right, Bradford Bruns, Money Mitch Effect. Before we get to picking all the games, not including the New Year's Six, we'll do that in a separate episode next week. I do want to spend a little time getting your thoughts, Bradford, on what you thought of the end of the regular season, including Conference Championship Week. We saw a lot of high drama. The playoff committee was under some controversy. They picked four teams. Bradford, do you think they got it right? Was there any other storyline that really captivated you as we led up into the start of bowl season? I'll be completely honest, Mitch, and I understand that this particular subject is obviously near and dear to heart, your heart, given your leans, of course, and your ability to, in, in no way, I mean, mask, of course, the allegiance there to the Ohio State University. But I'll be honest, I don't think that this in any way, the way in which the Final Four, the college football playoff pool, shook out was, was unpredictable in, under any, any, any sense of the imagination. And I say that mostly because Alabama, when you think about it, for the majority of the season, obviously until the last couple of weeks of the year, yes, in many ways, I still think I thought that was a stunning loss at the hands or to rather Auburn. But then again, going in as the proverbial number one team, and you, you were able to poke some holes, perhaps, yes, in the resume there and really pose that question as far as exactly whom did Alabama beat during the regular season. SEC, yes, was still able to land a couple of teams, including Georgia, in the Final Four. But for all intents and purposes, when you think about the entirety of the regular season for the SEC, as was the case really in 2016, someone even argued 2015, the overall pool there of talent, the overall level of success, perhaps wasn't really indicative of what we saw in 2013, 14, et cetera. And yet, all the while, for me, Alabama took care of every single opponent on its schedule. In retrospect, yes, the Florida State victory looks relatively weak, without a real signature victory. But if you're telling me right now, if you're looking at four teams and you're basically stating that Alabama is not able to measure up to an Ohio State, I think that perhaps an argument can be made there. But all the way around, I still like the Crimson Tide. I like the Crimson Tide obviously getting healthy, at least more healthy in time for that matchup following the beginning of 2018. And all things considered, rounding into form, still believe Alabama on paper all the way around is a superior team two, five, six, and seven, all those squads that, that 
into the season in that particular fashion. And there's really nothing else that I would rather see than Clemson, Alabama, round number three, unless you were talking about the actual championship game. So, yes, I'm a sucker for seeing that rivalry continue to play out on the main stage, the grandest of stages. And you won't find any quibbles for me whatsoever either when it comes to Georgia obviously landing that spot in the Final Four in the invariable Final Four team there as well. So I thought, to me, it was not a stunner. I know that if you looked at some of the permutations and the numbers and statistics, people were really championing hard for Ohio State to get in there. But at the end of the day, I simply wasn't buying it to the same degree as a lot of the so-called experts. And I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories and whatnot, but in your heart of hearts as well, Mitch, did you genuinely believe that Alabama, Alabama, was going to actually get the short end of the stick that night. I didn't see it happening nah, whatsoever. No, nah, no way, no way at all. No way, especially when you turn on Sports Center after the Big Ten championship game and there's Nick Saban <laughs> politicking on cue. But look, I agree with most of what you said. I think Alabama deserved to be in. It was a pretty good loss, if there is such a thing. Um, and it really shows you that the committee doesn't really care about having a seat at the table, conference representation, and it doesn't really care nope. about. Um, you know, everybody else's agendas, that was the phrase that was used. They just want the best teams, who they think are the best teams, and they punish bad losses. And I can respect that. It, it's it's consistency. So what would have been cool to see Ohio State in there as an Ohio State fan? I understand it. It just it irks me a little because I think yeah. Bama has a good chance to win the whole thing. But, hey, <laughs> that is where we are. I, I do want to give props to Baker Mayfield for winning the Heisman Trophy. It was much deserved, though my boy Bryce Love – what he did was just unbelievable on one leg down the stretch for Stanford, getting them to the Pac-12 title game. So, um, Utter, yeah. Utterly fantastic. We're going to get to a game that's going to be impossible to pick, spoiler alert, because I don't know if one certain player, wink, wink, is going to be in that game. <laughs> so if you're listening to me in this, uh, in this, I will let you know who it is. But as far as the bull pick comes, Bradford Bruns, Money, Mitch Effect, we're going to do it a little differently this year. <laughs> It's confidence picks around the country at certain sites have been taken down. And in the interest of moving this along and getting through all these games, we're going to break these categories up into five. We're going to make our picks, but we're also going to put a number one being not really confident at all. Five being lock, lock it down and all the way up there, two through four in in order of how confident we are. But Bradford and another thing, too, I had to go to a different website to get the official list because I want to give credit to where credit's due. The NCAA does not list the official sponsor of these bowl games. So I wanted to I wanted to really hammer home what these games are called. And uh, we start with tomorrow, with Wednesday, December 20th, the DXL Frisco Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus SMU. What do you think, Bradford, looking at this game? Who do you like? La Tech is a four-point underdog. Frisco, Texas, baby. Let's get it done in the Lone Star State. Although I will say, Mr. Michaels, SMU down the stretch did not get it done whatsoever when you think about the last quarter of that schedule losing three of its final four games and to be honest as well pretty fortunate to take home that finale too on the opposite end of the spectrum if you're thinking about louisiana tech you're trying to spring a mild upset there i'm sorry i'm not feeling a lot of confidence in that regard either primarily because when you talk about the mustangs what they have at receiver the dual threats of Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn, I think they're going to be able to repeatedly take the top off of that La Tech defense. And for me, SMU, I am fairly confident, the explosiveness factor there, fairly confident actually saying that SMU is going to win this one, not necessarily going away, but when you're talking about Ben Hicks, who can get really as hot as just about anyone, 
He had 32 touchdowns this year. I'm sorry, SMU still scores more than 40 points per contest. So I will go with the Mustangs. Give me a three spot here in terms of, of confidence. And I like the fact this year, my friend, hey, we're simplifying it a little bit. This is a public service of sorts for our fans. It is. And you know what's interesting? This is one of the games where do you ever go through bold pick and Bradford and you forget who you picked originally? Because <laughs> I have no, no idea doubt. No what doubt. I filled out the sheet with last week in my bold deadline. But I trust Chad Morris as a head coach, who I don't think is going to be at SMU very long. And uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to ride with a more consistent hot hand. And I like SMU in this one. Uh, you know, we're in, we're in Texas, so got to do it big for SMU. But it is time no to doubt. talk about, we're going to move through fast some of these. Some of these we might stick on a little longer. But Bradford, here it is. The bad boy, Mowers, Gasper Love Bowl, St. Petersburg, Florida. Formerly, I believe, the BFO Brady's Bowl. FIU, Florida International, takes on Temple. Temple's a touchdown favorite, and I like the Owls in this one. I like the Owls, despite that they went 500 against U.S. military academies this year. I just, I don't think Florida International's there yet, even though I don't know if they'll ever be wherever they want to get to. I like the Owls. One thing is for certain, we do it for fun. As you hear those sirens just blaring in the background, of course. Give me another Diddy reference, please. Florida International, I will say, hey, The last two games of the season, they were impressive wins. And the most impressive aspect to me, Mitch, about those couple of tilts when you talk about the victories over Western Kentucky and Massachusetts, that offense was absolutely on fire. Total of 104 points. And for me, I do look at the fact that, yes, the Golden Panthers, they do have their ups and downs when it comes to the defensive side of the football, whereas Temple is markedly better on that side. Pair of first-year coaches here. I think it's a nice matchup as far as Jeff Collins and Butch Davis uh, on the FIU side, of course. We know the name Butch Davis, obviously. But getting their teams to these respective points, I imagine this one. I envision it being a really tight game. Honestly, a really good game, nip and tuck. But give me the offense of Florida International by just a tad. I won't go with the utmost number of confidence points here, however. Just a two-spot. But I'm actually looking forward to at least checking in sporadically on the action at Tropicana Field. Yeah, I, I got to go too as well. I just, I love the nickname. I want to see what the trophy is. Uh, hopefully it's a lawnmower. Uh, maybe losers should cut the field. I don't know. But I think Temple. Why not? Yeah, hey, why not? Good job for Temple, though, getting back to a bowl game after their coach left the Met Rule for Baylor. So not completely disintegrating the program, building on something. Uh, something there. And oh, oh, along those lines, maybe next year you could have a since shared universes are all in vogue, Bad Boy Motors teaming up with John Deere. I don't know, I'm just saying, putting it out into the world. Maybe. Let it be. That's a good idea. Well, if there's a game that is going to be in the best scenery, one of the two, and we're coming up on both of them, how about the Bahamas Bowl in Nassau, Bahamas, Ohio University, Ooh. takes on University of Alabama, <laughs> Birmingham. Now, off the top, I'm going to put a one on this because I have no idea what the players of either team are going to get into in the days leading up to this game. So that should terrify any gamblers. But as a Mac truther, as somebody that has had relatives go to Ohio University, I'm feeling the upset here. I'm feeling the hipster's favorite football team, University of Alabama, Birmingham, the reinvigorated, restarted UAB. I like them to pull the upset in Nassau. Welcome back, baby. First time since 2014. The Blazers are playing some football again, right? Spencer Brown, hey. He's a very, very dynamic running back. We know about the double-digit touchdowns. We know about nearly 
1,300 yards there. What I like, though, when you're talking about the Blazers, Mitch, is the fact that this defense is more than just solid. This defense has been very adept all campaign long at holding down opposing outfits and for Ohio, all things considered. I understand that the ground game is very, very solid as a collective unit there. I'm not feeling Frank Solich, though, and company to be able to take this one down. I will go with UAB in a pretty tight affair as well. I'll have to stay on that two train for the action in NASA. I know. It's hard to be. Okay, spoiler alert for everybody out there. These are the games you should, and this is just some betting advice. It's got to be hard early on for some of these teams. Don't put a lot of confidence in games early. Uh, There's room to make up ground. And I'm honest, we're big college football fans, but we don't have – you know, Saturday NFL, Saturday NCAA ticket for UAB. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here as I'm sure you are, but we just love football. It's on my to-do list. I've got a couple of weeks coming up. <laughs> yeah. I think I got the 30 day trial, 30, 30 day trial coming up next year, but let's go to the Smurf turf famous Idaho potato ball. It's not Boise. It will be Wyoming. The Wyoming Cowboys taking on the central Michigan Chippewas. This game is played in Boise every year. It's cold. It's going to be a couple days before Christmas. <laughs> Redford, Wyoming is three-and-a-half-point favorites, but I like Wyoming in this game, and I feel extra confident creeping up to that four range. I just think Wyoming, in the environment, Whoa. not having to travel. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm Central Michigan also opened up. I also look at lines a lot, as you know, and Central Michigan opened up a pick and it's quickly, quickly moving towards Wyoming. So people smarter than I, I think, know something about this game that has one of the lowest over-unders at 45-and-a-half. So you're digging Josh Allen here. Wyoming looked pretty lost without him down the stretch. You're digging Josh Allen over Shane Morris. I'm a fan of a team that needs a quarterback so in the NFL, so mm-hmm. maybe I want to you know, use this as an audition tape. That's okay. So maybe there are some other incentives in play. I respect that. No, nay, I actually applaud that. I endorse it. For me, though, fire up those chips, sir. I like what Central Michigan is done in recent bowl action. I like the fact that Central Michigan took home its final five games of the regular season. I've got to be honest, and I'm going to swing this in completely a different direction than you, buddy. And I'm going to say Central Michigan with that defense as well. I'm going to say this is a big point of pride for that D going up against one of the better known prospects in the nation. They will be ready for this challenge. They will be ready as the team that I am giving four points to in this instance. Wow, we're going polar opposites yes. here. This is face-off, uh, the John Travolta, Nicholas Cage style uh, affair. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Alan wasn't nearly as good this year. I'm just hey, I'm I'm putting all my cards right there, <laughs> okay. putting them out there. I'll go. I will go Travolta. I will overact to win this game. I'm just saying. But all right, we got uh, a couple more games to pick before we get to Christmas. And, man, this is a low-key, underrated game, the Birmingham Bowl. The Birmingham Bowl every year. We, we How many bowl games are in Alabama, first of all? Let's just start there. But University of South Florida and Texas Tech, what to do, what to do in this game. Two and a half points is the line for South Florida. This is, this is only a one for me. I'm so torn on this game, Bradford. But I'm digging, I'm digging South Florida. Push comes to shove. The showing that they had against Central Michigan was one of the best games uh, of the season finale weekend, the regular season finale. Uh, their just epic performance that came up a, a touchdown short. Mm-hmm. Tech has been all over the place this year. I don't know if I trust Cliff Kingsbury's team to put together a good performance when they're going to score, but their defense is vulnerable, and I think South Florida can gash them. I'm, I'm going South Florida here. I just Something about this team, I think they get it done late. 
I always trust, I place my trust in Kingsbury Scruff, but his defense, his team as a whole, I'm not really endorsing this unit, even though, yes, the people of Lubbock will say, hey, this is the best defense that we've seen in that particular region in quite some time. Red Raiders, to me, just too predictable from week to week. And we understand October, yes, seems like eons ago, but I can't shake off some of the very, very poor memories of some atrocious football being played during that time. And you can look at the mild win streak of late winning two of three, and the defense has turned it on somewhat as well. And for that matter as well, when you think about South Florida, South Florida really hasn't played anyone of substance of of real magnitude this year, hasn't faced a viable opponent even along the lines of a Texas Tech. I too, Mitch, am torn on this, but for me, I really, really have a gut feeling that Quentin Flowers is going to show out here. I think that the Bulls are very cognizant of the fact that they can get that 10th win in his final game. This is a signature performance in waiting for me. And for Texas Tech, I still cannot buy that defense. I genuinely wonder how many points are going to be scored in this game. I could see the total actually inching close to 100. I kid you not. And with just a single point, give me USF. Yeah, I uh, look. I, I think that's a fair. That is a fair assessment. I think Charlie Strong in, in this game is probably going to have a slight coaching advantage in this game. And if I remember correctly, Bradford, I think he did pretty well in his tenure there against Texas Tech, despite all the other turmoil. So no, he knows this. Yes, team. he did. He knows this team. So this should be a great game. One I'm looking forward to. Still talking with Bradford Bruns on the Money Mitch effect. We're moseying through this bowl schedule before the New Year's Six. Let's talk about, oh, ding, ding, ding. We have a lock. The Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Bradford. I hate to do it. Oh. You know I respect the service of anybody fighting for their country at all these uh, service academies. But I think San Diego State rolls here. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. I like them to cover with ease. And I got the Aztecs with a confidence of five in the Armed Forces Bowl Thanks. at Fort Worth. Six-and-a-half points at last check. That was it for the line. I am, I'm staggered by that. I know, I know. It, that's all it is. It opened and has not moved. So, <sighs> Personally, got, no yeah. love for me either. When, when you're discussing, dissecting, even the number one rushing attack in the nation, I'm sorry, San Diego State has simply faced superior competition this season. This defense, to me, is still perpetually underrated. And when in doubt in a lot of these early in-the-game bowl matchups, so to speak, you side with the best player on the field. Do you not? The best player mm-hmm. on the gridiron in this instance is none other than Rashad Penny. This is Absolutely. a 2,000-yard back. This is a bell cow back. And I don't under, I just don't think that Army has the athleticism to be able to contain him, his ability to bust it up inside and then to gain the edge as well. I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling the athleticism there. I won't quite go into that five territory. I will show a measure of respect, but still four or five here. You're going with the Aztecs no matter what. Props to Army on winning two straight games against Navy and flipping that rivalry. But oh, yeah. The Aztecs, um, you know, losing to Boise, that was their only real bad loss, but they beat some Power 5 conference teams this year, and I like San Diego State to win this game. The Dollar General Bowl. Hey, we're, we're going back to Alabama. Who knew? It's Appalachian State and Toledo Saturday night, December Doing my 23rd. Down. Yeah, let's, let's go. Um, newly minted. FCS or FBS Appalachian State taking on Toledo and I'm going to go four confidence of four in Toledo they're seven and a half points favorites I haven't picked the Mac yet yeah. but I do think Toledo they underachieved down the stretch in conference play 
Appalachian State, I just don't think they're there as a program to compete, even with the likes of the Toledos this year. It's going to be a work in progress in the Sun Belt, but I like Toledo in this one. I'll agree with you there. Someone who didn't underachieve typically was Logan Woodside, who's at the helm, of course, Woodside of Toledo. And as long as he can prevent that big interception, that big turnover, and against Akron, against Western Michigan, he was somewhat suspect in terms of being able to commit that gap from time to time. And having said that, though, the accuracy there, his ability to stretch the field, I think that he is the difference maker in this instance. And Toledo, if it's possible, really went a very quiet 7-1 and one in the MAC. At least it felt that way to me. And hey, Appy State, all credit, of course, moving up into that group of five category now. And I like this as really a showcase matchup on the sidelines, I think, too, Mitch. When you talk about Candle, when you think about Satterfield, some up-and-coming coaches in that respect, too. Toledo, though, again, to me, does feel like a four-point favorite confidence-wise, so I will continue to roll. A Dollar General Bowl, give me Toledo, no doubt. Yeah, I uh, I misspoke. Uh, I they didn't play. I mean, they played pretty well down the stretch. They won the MAC title game. I I really disavowed that entire conference this year, uh, especially after Miami's fifty-two to thirty win over them early in the year. But no, I mean Toledo Ooh. has some talent, and I think I would like to see them in a better matchup. I know they're not anywhere near the top non-conference teams this year, but you know they get a happy state and they should handle them, and then we'll see what's next uh, for this program on Christmas Eve. We have the Hawaii Bowl. It's the annual tradition, the only game being played on Christmas Eve. It is Houston and Fresno State with the Bahamas Bowl. Game in the nicest scenery of all these bowl games and also a game where you got to wonder what's going to happen, how these teams are going to be prepared. Another toss and turn, only a confidence of two, but I like the Bulldogs as, as slight underdogs, as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Ooh. Give me Fresno State. They had a rock'em, sock'em, back-to-back rivalry with Boise that they split. They did not win the conference championship in the Mountain West, but I think they're going to beat a Houston team that was similarly up and down in their first year without Tom Herman. Give me Fresno State here. That Fresno defense is pretty stellar, and when you look at some of the numbers and you consider the fact that this team only allowed 21 points, actually 21 or fewer in all but one league game, you can say what you will about the level of competition there, but that is impressive stuff regardless and then Houston as well on the opposite end of the ledger playing UCF late in the season holding to 24 points in that victory too it's a very tough call for me and you mentioned of course Mitch the Bulldogs defense as a cohesive unit but I think that the preeminent playmaker up front for either of these teams happens to reside on the Houston side Ed Oliver is an absolute load to me coming through, busting through the interior, and I do believe that he is going to get into that backfield enough to wreak some havoc, to create a few game-changing plays here and there, tilt the field in favor of Houston. Only two for me as well, but let's roll with some Cougars in Honolulu. 47 to 49 is the over-under. As low as an over-under I can remember in this game, too. That says a lot about both defenses, especially Fresno State. The Mm-hmm. Getting through Christmas Day into Christmas, the day after Christmas, we have the Heart of Dallas Bowl, the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl, West Virginia versus there Utah. There it is. Yeah, I got to sound it out. I'm going to go out on a limb here with a confidence of three in a situation that will likely involve a backup quarterback. I like West Virginia to pull off the upset over Utah. I watched a lot of, unfortunately, did end up watching a lot of Utah games this year, and I just didn't see it. I just didn't see a lot that I could trust in this game. There's something about Coach Dana Holgerson and his uh, 
Ray Munson style haircut that has me captivated. I think even if Greer doesn't play and he's doubtful right now, I still think West Virginia has enough to win this game and uh, outperform the Utes in this one. I completely disagree, and I feel as if Mr. Munson is in a lot of trouble, says Mr. Greer. I have to say that. I will side with you insofar as this is not a classic Utah team of the past few seasons. It's not a great team. In this matchup, though, I think that the Utes will have enough going for themselves to be able to pull it out, and I don't truly believe that it's going to be especially close either. I keep going back to, yes, it's the past, but this means something when you're talking about the man at the helm of Utah in Kyle Whittingham when he has been to 11 bowl games overall. He knows how to prepare his team accordingly. He's 10-1. Think about that winning percentage in these sorts of contests and having this much time to prepare, not having to go up against Greer in all likelihood. I like the Utes in this instance, and I will give four, as a matter of fact, to Utah in being able to take down the Mountaineers here as you're moving closer. You're moving beyond Christmas, of course. And they they did play some very solid teams very tightly, Mitch. Yeah, Yeah, they lost to USC. Tight games, though, Washington and Washington State, too. Combined 12 points. So even when Utah fell, it barely succumbed. And to me, that gives me a lot of hope if I'm a Utes fan. I don't, do you know what their best win was? Arizona, maybe, I think? Oh, all right, we'll see. <laughs> okay, you can I'm always just, flip it. They, they, <laughs> they, they had a lot of close losses, yeah. I don't know how the playoff committee didn't put them into the playoff. But, no, I kid. I kid. Come on. The Quick Lane Bowl. Northern Illinois and Duke in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't want to spend because a lot of time not? on this one. Uh, I'm going to go one. And or a lot I'll, of time there at the venue. I understand. I'll go Duke. Yeah, exactly. I'll go Duke. Uh, Cutcliffe is a solid coach, and uh, what the heck. Uh, how could I ever miss this game? Duke was pretty abysmal during the middle portion of the season. Yes, I, I just followed uh, Duke football this past season with the utmost intensity. But, no, in all seriousness, the speed on defense for me there, Northern Illinois, we understand what Northern Illinois wants to do. And IU yearns to run that football. It's a run-heavy offense, but – Moving sideline to sideline, I like the second level for Duke, and I think it has enough when you talk about the ability to turn things around, get things moving in a positive direction with Jones, Wilson, Brown at all. Duke in a fairly tight game, but I'm still giving four points to the Blue Devils. All right, moving forward. that was We, we can't speak enough about how awesome the quick lane bowl is going to be. But the Cactus Bowl <laughs> in Phoenix, Arizona on Tuesday night. A lot of games on December 26th. UCLA and Kansas State and Radford, I was so close to going five on this one. I can't go five against Josh Rosen, though, so I'm going to go four on Kansas State. They will be the better prepared team. They have the coach that will get them ready for this bowl game. They will not beat themselves. And UCLA still adjusting to the Chip Kelly era. Going to be kind of without his services, his full services this game. I like the White Walker. Give me Bill Snyder in Kansas State. The irrepressible, incorrigible Bill Snyder. And you're right with respect to the manner in which he consistently prepares his teams. I don't care about the magnitude, the level of a bowl game. Snyder's going to have his Wildcats ready to play. I do have some qualms about Skyler Thompson, the freshman quarterback for Kansas State. And yes, the numbers don't totally do his play justice. But if Kansas State isn't able to really sustain a good ground game against UCLA, which I think the Wildcats will ultimately be able to do in the second half. You could have some issues if Rosen in his final game, yes, let's just put it out there, final game collegiately, 
is able to get hot. UCLA clearly looking forward to 2018. The Bruins won't exactly have that grade-A focus in this contest. But as far as the final result, from a talent perspective, I really am torn on this one, okay? I'm torn as to whether can Bill Snyder, can he avenge that unforgettable 2014 Alamo Bowl loss? That's right. These two teams played three short seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm flipping it here. What the heck? Bruins with okay. two. I'm flipping right. it. Let's, let's live a little bit. This is fun. I just think Rosen has all the signs of checked out. I'm surprised he's even playing in this game. But who knows? This is bowl season. It's fun. I do have a five coming up next, and that is the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl. I'm going to break a rule. I always like to go against teams that don't have a coach or are in the coaching change process, but Florida State, 16-point favorites over Southern Miss. Love you, Southern Miss. Brett Favre, Wranglers, all the good things. Uh, but Florida State's going to going to destroy you guys probably in this game. How did I, this <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? How did this matchup come to fruition? I don't know. I, I feel it like so awkward did, on paper. Did Walker so pick the game? Like I don't like what is what is going on? Ugh. In asserting their independence, they literally did pick the participants for this game. Yes. I don't yeah. Well, uh, we'll move quickly to a, a game that's become a staple <laughs> of recent years, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, Bradford. Like it. In New York at Yankee Stadium, Iowa and Boston College. Two traditional mediocre teams, I would say, right? Two traditional non-powerhouses in this game. Yes. And uh, a, a game where Iowa is two-and-a-half-point favorites, a game where I have very little confidence. I went one, and I went Iowa. Because why not? Because Ference is either going to play stout defensive football or his team's going to get gashed left and right. And I have no idea what's going to happen. We might even see John Carl Stanton suit up, but I like Iowa. <laughs> Wadley, to me, is the difference maker here. Mitch, I will go with Iowa in what is shaping up to be a field goal game decided by three points or fewer, and I can't give a lot of confidence to this one either, although I do wonder in some of the in the days really leading up to the game, we still do have a bit of time, will the tide turn with reference to exactly the individual, the extra individual Derek Jeter will send to Yankee Stadium to one program or another? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The only thing that would keep Jeter away from this game, in my opinion, would be if you told him that there were winter meetings at the game. Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> Then maybe he won't be there. All right, Money Mitch Effect, Bradford Brun, still doing bowl pickums for the early bowl games leading up to the New Year's Six. All right, next up we have the Foster Farms Bowl. That's the one I want to talk about right now. Purdue and Arizona and Bradford. Another game where I'm very, very confused as to what's going to happen. I went one again, and I went Arizona begrudgingly because who the hell knows with these teams? Is Khalil Tate going to show out? Is he, Are they going to be a disaster like they were in the Territorial Cup against Arizona State? Purdue has looked okay at times. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I, I threw, threw it at the dartboard, and I went Arizona. No belief in Jeff Brom. No belief in the much-improved Boilermakers defense. Is that correct? Uh, very little belief in both of those things. Okay. Well, Tate's going to be hard-pressed to. Now, I like his dual-threat capabilities, but he's going to be hard-pressed to top what one Jimmy Garoppolo has done in that very Ooh. venue as Ooh. of late. I, I like the electrifying qualities, though, on display, though. When you're talking about singular forces, and let's just say, for instance, that Tate does get unspeakably hot during the course of this contest. He is the type of guy who could, yes, carry this team on his back in this particular setting. I think he's actually going to eclipse well 
go well over 100 on the ground. I don't think that Purdue, vaunted defense or not, really faced many individuals of his ilk this particular season. And I will ride with those Wildcats. I'll ride with those unpredictable Wildcats because I'm still not buying Purdue in this setting. I'm not buying the Purdue team that vanquished Mizzou, but in some ways I'm going to say also ignited that fire under the bottoms of the Tigers. So this one could go either way, though, for me, Mitch. Arizona, three, what the heck. I think Arizona, if they get a lead on Purdue, I don't know how Purdue's offense uh, gets them back into the game. That's the yeah. big thing for me uh, as well. All right, we have the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas. <laughs> Stop the presses. We have another lock here, maybe my biggest lock of bowl season, Bradford. From 1-5 to 7-5 and five to a team that got hot down the stretch, and I was a very big proponent and big investor in what they did. I think Mizzou's going to destroy Texas here. I really do. Destroy I really do. in Houston. I love this Missouri Tigers freewheeling offense with Drew Locke. I think they are going to put on a passing clinic on a Texas team that lost to Maryland, don't forget that, is still a couple of years away from being that true team that Tom Herman wants to build. I love Mizzou here. This might be my surest thing so far, which means they're probably going to lose. But, hey, what the heck, I like them in this game. I hesitate to say that I will eat a ton of crow for my commentary regarding the Tigers down the stretch in 2017. Hey, being here, being based, obviously, in Missouri, having covered the Tigers on many occasions in Missouri, I'm elated by the fact that Mizzou was able to orchestrate such a ridiculous turnaround in the second half of the season. Now, you can say what you will about the quality of competition or lack thereof that provided the opposition there for the Tigers, but the bottom line here, and I know that you are a huge Drew Lock enthusiast, the most dynamic player on the field is none other than the trigger man for the Tigers. To me, the big question here, Mitch, is it the result? I am picking Mizzou, and I am taking four points along those lines, but whether we are going to see the swan song from a college standpoint, for Drew Locke, I'm really eager to see the types of grades, the type of feedback he's going to receive in advance of the combine, in advance of the draft. I don't think by any means that he is really set to come back, that it is a certainty of any kind, particularly with Josh Heupel, the yeah. offensive coordinator departing from the program, that he's going to be there for his senior year. He already has set the all-time single-season SEC touchdown tosses, Mark. What else does he really have to accomplish does he have left to accomplish at the university of missouri unless you're talking about maybe engineering a season next year against a more difficult schedule trying to bring them back into prominence i don't see a lot of motivation there i think he goes out here i think he goes out on a big time positive note and that texas defense while it has been solid at times in 2017 Puna Ford, one of the best names in college football he can't go it alone <laughs> so give me the tigers in a high scoring ultra high scoring tilt I also do like the name Drew Locke, too. I, I'm just I'm a fan of the name as well. He's got that quarterback name. He's got that, oh, the magnetism, the charisma. I'll tell you, he's made himself into a pro prospect as well. We both like Mizzou there. And a quick brief moment on the military bowl. I'm going three and Navy. Can't pick against both service schools in bowl season. Also, don't think Virginia's good. This game's being played in Annapolis. So Virginia answers the question, who gets to play a road game in bowl season? And remind me, buddy, what did Virginia do or fail to actually accomplish against a Georgia Tech's triple option ah. attack earlier in the year? 
Yeah, I might bump that to four. And I'm going to go four as well in our next game, the Camping World Bowl. Virginia Tech versus Oklahoma State. Bradford, I've thought about this game, but I just can't figure a way where Mike Gundy's going to let his senior class, led by Mason Rudolph and James Washington, that dynamic quarterback-to-receiver duo. This is their tribute game, their swan song. I know it wasn't the season they wanted. Virginia Tech stumbling beyond belief down the stretch, getting obliterated by Clemson uh, and uh, Miami putting it on them as well. I like Oklahoma State pretty handily in this game. Yeah, Gundy's mullet gets a five. The uh, Oklahoma State team as a whole gets a four here. And when you think about the the pairing as far as the respective offenses here, I just don't envision a scenario under which Virginia Tech can really keep pace. You know, and Bud Foster, he has done everything that he can really with this defense. He loved Tremaine Edmonds as a linebacker for this particular Hokie squad. Having said all of that, Mason Rudolph, he will go out with a bang. This Cowboys offense averaging almost 50 points per game. I don't think Virginia Tech really holds them down whatsoever. Another game in Orlando, classic matchup there. You wonder about some of the other ancillary activities. But for me, I expect a laser level of focus from Oklahoma State, getting it done and getting it done in an authoritative sense against Fatak. Yeah, hard to believe this line's only four points as well. I'm just I'm just saying. I agree. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of an interesting one. The Alamo Bowl, Money Mitch Effect, Bradford Brunts. We're gonna we're gonna get up to the New Year's Six games. We'll save some of the New Year's Day bowls for uh, the later show next week. But the Alamo Bowl is Stanford and TCU, Bradford, and as it stands right now, Bryce Love is probable to play. And I am probable to put all five points on Stanford, even as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. This is fair, although I do question, are you ready to put the utmost confidence? If it comes down to this, do you think that the freshman, the freshman QB, Costello, if let's say that Love's impact is negated somewhat, TCU, I'm not all about praising this defense, believe you me. But can it come down to Costello engineering a drive if he has to? For the Cardinal. I'm suspect about that. He did very well. He opened my eyes against Notre Dame. That was the one that got me thinking. And the USC Pac-12 title game could have gone either way. I mean, they get stoned at the goal line. I, I'm just, I, I don't know if they ever win that game, but they, they could have. I mean, it was close. Um, but no, I, I just think Love is a difference maker. I think TCU kind of got exposed for being a little overhyped early on. It wasn't just getting throttled twice by Oklahoma. They lost to Iowa State <laughs> in there as well. Um, they had some bad bad performances down the stretch. I just like David Shaw in a bowl game with preparation, the type of program he has. I just think they're gonna they're gonna come up prepared. And if Bryce Love plays and is healthy, and he gets a full month almost to rest that ankle, watch out, America. <laughs> Shaw, it's a difference for me as well. I th- I expect a very entertaining kind of contrast contrasting um, style of matchups here. I really like this 13 versus 15 affair at the Alamo Dome, and I will side ultimately with Stanford too. And I will say this for Costello, even though I'm kind of poking holes in some of his very, very early resume at that for the native of California. Hey, for the sophomore, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's elusive enough. He doesn't make mistakes. Hmm, where have we seen that before with respect to recent Stanford signal callers? Shaw knows how to coach him up, even if he doesn't have the exceptional level of sheer talent at that position. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, because we can't just have a one-word bowl game, can we, uh, is no. re- re- the uh, the Holiday Bowl, as many of you out there know it. Michigan State and Washington State. Oh, my goodness. This is an unpredictable matchup. 
I went all the way down to one on this game because I still don't know which mm-hmm. Washington State team is going to show up. And by that same token, which Michigan State team, the team that vanquished Michigan, that put on some great performances, beat Penn State, but got absolutely embarrassed by Ohio State and had a loss to Northwestern in there as well. The same can be said about Washington State beating USC, getting destroyed by Cal, embarrassed in the Apple Cup against Washington. I'm trusting the Pirate here, and this could be my own doing. I'm going to walk the plank, I think, in this game if they lose. But I go Washington State, Mike Leach, who's still at Washington State somehow. I like them to win this game in a shootout. Give me the Cougars. Shootout indeed. Perhaps the most fitting question, though, here is, which version of Luke Falk is going to show up? Now, we understand this is a record-setting quarterback. This is a quarterback with all kinds of upside. He has all the talent in the world. But to me, he wasn't exceptionally efficient this season, Mitch. For somebody who obviously powers, who commands one of the preeminent offensive attacks in the nation, this is somebody who still the average less than seven yards per attempt. He is very accomplished. But to me, the Washington State offense, just from game to game, it teetered a little bit. I'm actually fairly impressed by a somewhat under-the-radar Cougar defense for me. So when I think to think about going over to the LJ Scott side, and I really, really like what the Spartans bring to the table. I like the way in which this team finished the regular season, the explosiveness, the potential for explosiveness, and just a greater offensive output. Yes, it still does reside with Washington State. And I do think that there's some extra motivation there, too, because bear in mind what happened in 2016. That was an upset that should not have occurred against Minnesota. Don't think that isn't in the back of the mind of one Luke Falk and the rest of this Washington State program. Two points in a rip-roaring affair. The Pirate sails again. All right. I'm, I'm seeing uh, har-har what happens in this game. A couple games left. We're going to go through the 29th in the interest of time here to get through those games. We'll pick up again on the 30th games and the New Year's Six games as well. But Bradford, a, a quick note on a game that I think has some sneaky potential to be a good one, and that is the Belk Bowl, the game that screwed me in my confidence pick last year when Arkansas won a th- blew a 31-0 lead to Virginia Tech. This year it's Wake Forest and Texas A&M. I am going with Texas A&M as three-point underdogs with newly minted coach Jimbo Fisher. I'm going to take Texas A&M over Wake Forest, and I'm going to take the over on Belk Security at their stores this year. Against con- <laughs> against conventional <laughs> wisdom? What, with the coaching transition? Who, who are you? It's who Wake Forest. The tie goes to, do I actually trust the other team? And the answer is no. Heavens to goodness, this team has won two of three. It has a top 35 scoring offense. Oh, yeah, I'm going with Texas a too. <laughs> I just I can't, I can't see myself in it. I'll say a confidence of three because of that factor, because it's a new uh, regime. I didn't think – I kind of think someone got a raw deal, but that is uh, – that is the college coaching ranks. The Hyundai Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. Arizona State back again versus NC State. I'm sorry, but there is no way I could pick a team now coached by Herm Edwards to give me North Carolina State in a confidence of four. You play to win the Sun Bowl, do you not? <laughs> this guy is just too much. It's unintentional comedy every single day. NC State's big <laughs> up front. Their, 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 their interior is great. I think they got the size and speed up front to limit Wilkins and that high tempo offensive game. I'm going NC State for that very reason. I did not anticipate a six and two finish in ACC play. I like Finley a lot. I like what they're able to do from a balance perspective as well with Hines and Harmon too on the outside. He's very close to a thousand 
yards there as well. And the variety that NC State can throw at you, too. I think there are more ways that NC State can exploit that Arizona State defense. And to me, I will go with a whopping four points. I will give a whopping four points, actually, to NC State to prevail in this Sun Bowl, Mitch. Wow. Um, if only we're so lucky to keep getting her members in bowl games to pick against. This is just – it should be the gift that keeps on giving. Let me just uh, – I agree. Uh, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, <laughs> Northwestern, and Kentucky. Wow, it's fun. It's weird that you get a very smart school versus a very dumb. No, I, I'm kidding. But in Northwestern oh, and Kentucky, you did it. I, I I didn't finish the joke, so I think it's like a it's like uh, a guess. but Northwestern Kentucky in this game, both teams had uh, surprisingly good seasons down the stretch. Northwestern is a touchdown favorite. I'm gonna go four on the Wildcats of Northwestern to win this game. One reason in particular, well, two. I don't really trust Mark Stoops in any game of significance, and Two, I guess the main reason. I think Chad Thorson's a pretty good quarterback that not a lot of the country knows about. And two additional words, uh, Justin Jackson, the senior running back mm, for yeah. Northwestern as well, they can dice you up in a number of different ways. This game will ultimately end up being closer, Mitch, than I think it has any right to be. Having said that, still give me Northwestern in this contest in Nashville. And Northwestern as well, coming in on that seven-game winning streak, obviously playing it's the best brand of football down the stretch. This would be its third double-digit win season since 2012 and what was previously or what was previously a fairly moribund program there. So I like the transition that has happened there. Northwestern really a sneaky, sneaky pick to get to 210 wins in 2017. Kentucky will have a little something in the first half before the Wildcats take off, namely Jackson. I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around, honestly, the figure, the number of yards he's going to compile altogether in this game. I really think it's going to be that sort of out-of-this-world bowl individual performance. I'm telling you, Justin Jackson, baby. All right. We're, we're riding on the uh, the Northwestern Wildcats in that one. And then lastly, it's really incredible that we're ending with this game on today's show, but the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl between New Mexico State and Utah State. It really comes full circle, doesn't it? From two teams that you don't really follow a lot of to two teams that you don't really follow a lot of. We're going to Tucson, Arizona. It, it's probably got the Degenerate Bowl written all over it. If you're up late on the 29th, watch this game. Um, yeah, Utah State and New Mexico. Huh, New Mexico State. What the heck New Mexico State is underdogs with the confidence of exactly one? And if there was less than one I could give, I'd probably give that. You're feeling this story, this tale, this narrative of upstarts from New Mexico State First bowl berth since 1960. Both even, teams, even though, better. oh, <laughs> they're lacking the signature victories. But Utah State, watch out when you think about that defense, when you think about the playmaking ability, the lockdown capabilities of Jalen Davis. Who is going to prevail in this matchup of preeminent on-the-rise programs? Utah State is going to sully the good fortune of New Mexico State out in the desert in a game that will barely get into the 40s. I'm talking about a nip and tuck, down and out affair. What better way to conclude part one, Mitch, than by taking Utah State with a full what the heck, five points. Oh, wow. Well, hey, if you're a fan of either New Mexico State and Utah State, I'm surprised you made it to this podcast, and I'm surprised you found us, and today is your day, because we are ending with the premier <laughs> game being your game. So, 
Wow, what a time to be alive if you are in New Mexico or Utah at the moment. Bradford, Live this was dangerously. <laughs> Live dangerously. When in Rome, you know, go on say. But anyway, Bradford, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a lengthy one. I appreciate you coming by and making some picks. We'll be keeping uh, some tabs on these as well. So a lot of bragging rights up for stake, and I, for one, can't wait for part two. It's always a pleasure, Mitch, and in all sincerity, Merry, Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners. I've, I've really been privileged to, once again, take this ride with you throughout college football season, and we had our first set, big set of games, of course, leading up to the New Year's Six, and yet the fun really for all intents and purposes is just getting started, and always grateful, man, always grateful about the job that you do and continue to grow this, so let's just conclude 2017 with a bang. Appreciate it, and uh, thanks again for coming on. We we're, we're bonded by the same thing, and that's right now a love for college football. So I'm excited to watch these games. It's all we have left. But thanks again for making this segment uh, what it is and what it continues to be. I love picking games, uh, especially college bowl season with yourself. So thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, and have a wonderful Christmas season. Likewise, my friend. You got it. Take care. All right, huge thanks to Bradford Brunt for coming on today's show and discussing all the early college bowls. I hope you like it like we do. There's a lot to discuss there. This is this is our time to shine. So if you like college football, while we won't have the jam-packed slate of games repeatedly, there's always a, a game or two, to uh, sometimes even three or four all the way through uh, until the New Year's Six game. So thanks to Bradford. We'll be hearing from him next week to recap how we did and talk about the New Year's Six and the other bowl games we didn't get to. But now it's time to talk to Chris Miller about Week 15 in the NFL, who's looking good for the playoffs, who's on the outside needing some help. The return of Aaron Rodgers lasted one game. We talk about that. Patriots win, Raiders lose, Browns 0-14, the Jaguars looking legit. All that and more on the NFL Talk with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is now. All right, Money Mitch Effect, week 15, already in the books. We're a week away exactly from Christmas, and tis the spirit to bring Chris Miller back onto the show. Hey, tis <laughs> the season of giving, and here I am. Yeah, it's fitting. There's a lot of giving going on in the NFL. Yes, yeah, a lot of teams giving away wins yesterday. <laughs> We'd like to see more taking in, uh, in our perspectives, too. But Chris, NFL season, only two weeks left in the regular season. We're recording this on Monday night, it's halftime. I believe the Falcons are up 17-7 to as we speak. That is correct. I bring that up because if the Falcons hold on as we expect that they will, this will be the first week in over 11 years, 2006, that all the favorites won. Wow. So something to think about. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. All the all the betting favorites up until this Falcons are game. Are you telling me that won. Baltimore was favored this week? Okay. I thought you were going to actually ask me a serious question. Now I'm upset. Now. But, all right. Um, there's a lot to get to because even though all the favorites won, there was high drama. There was controversy, chaos, you name it. Oh, God, yeah. We got to start with that New England-Pittsburgh game, which was essentially for home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. had the most controversial, I would say, end-of-game scenario that we've had so far in the league or up there with them. But the fact that the stakes were so high – 
added to it with New England winning by 327-24. Yep. Long story short of this fantastic game. It was that did have a lot of back and forth. New England drives late. Gronk scores a touchdown. Just unstoppable play by him late. Pittsburgh comes back down on the Schuster play down in, into the red zone. And then we yep. think Ben, Big Ben throws a touchdown to Jesse James. But in reaching for the goal line with the knee already down, they said he didn't survive the ground. Ball was loose. Comes back to third down rather than comes back to second down a play later rather than clocking it. Big Ben throws a pick in yep. the end zone and the Pats win. So having said all that, I want to start with that rule, with that interpretation of the rule, as I did, taking all rooting interests out of it because I don't really care for either of these teams. Sure. What'd you think of that play? I mean, look, I think this answers the age old question. Do we know what a catch is in the NFL? And the, no. the answer is no, because when I watched that, and and I was you know working at NFL yesterday, and everyone in the room was like, "That's a catch." And here's the thing: yes, he lost control of the ball, but he was already across the goal line when he lost control of the ball. And in a fumble scenario, you can fumble the ball. After you've crossed the goal line, and it's not a fumble, it's a touchdown. Right. Same rule should apply here. But again, this goes back to the whole Des Bryant against the Packers. It was sort of a similar situation, but that should have been a catch too. This should have been a catch. The Steelers should have won. And on top of that, the Steelers should know better than to try to throw for a touchdown inside the five against the, against <laughs> the Patriots. I mean, so, no, why has no one learned that lesson? Yeah. Yet? So it's interesting. You think that was not interpreted correctly. I think, well... Because my bigger issue by, is I think they did, by, by the letter, letter of the, the law, law interpret yes. it right, but it sucks. Like, I don't... And I hate the Steelers, it's, but I, I don't agree with it at all. It's not that they interpret it incorrectly. I think that the rule in in this particular scenario it was wrong. I mean, it's just... I think it's a bad rule. And again, if the goal line is going to be special when it comes to turnovers, then in this case, for a catch and a touchdown, it should... The same... Well, you know, the survival, yeah, the surviving the ground thing. I, I kind of get what the NFL is saying. They have the most strict, ridiculous catch rules there are, in the sense yes. that you have to go to the ground with the football. But in certain circumstances, I think this would fall as one of them, especially when you have a knee already down and he's reaching outstretched for the goal line. Yeah. That's where I think he becomes a runner, and that's where I think I would draw the line. Yeah, I think if you're lunging out, Des Bryant being another example of that. I mean, we could figure out a way to tweak it, maybe say that, no, like you lost possession of it in that second act and go back to where you were. But to take the catch away, I just think was utterly ridiculous. And I keep, I mean, there is no, no two things are the same with these examples. That's what Des Bryant is a little different. And then yeah. we have, I remember Lance Moore on a, on a Super Bowl play, a two-point conversion play, Saints-Colts, where he reached out across the goal line, broke the plane, and had yeah. a Colts player swatted out. But they said, no, it's a, it's a legit conversion play. So... I don't know where to where we get with all this. I know it was a gut punch and, and ultimately did probably swing home field and maybe the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think the one thing that Pittsburgh at least has going for them in this situation is that even though Big Ben plays very poorly on the road, at least Pittsburgh's not like a warm weather team going in New England. Right. So they do have that. But, yeah, this is huge. Given, given Ben's uh, road record, yeah. Definitely, well, and let's talk about this. Definitely big. They're only one game up with the Jags who beat them head-to-head. So if Pittsburgh yep. loses one of their next two games and Jacksonville wins out, and that's what the same thing we would have said about New England. There was a scenario if they lost this game, Jacksonville, of all teams, could yeah. sneak into a bye, and then Pittsburgh's having to play an extra game. 
Yeah. I think they're just beat up, too. That's why this win would have been bigger. I mean, Antonio Brown is probably going to be out for the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, that was Shazier with the what, terrible injury. I mean, they're yeah. just they're, they're beat up. I mean, that's what I think another reason why this game hurts so much. Yeah, I mean, the A.B. getting hurt definitely totally swinged the game in the momentum. I mean, Pittsburgh was handling New England for a while, and then A.B. gets hurt and... Yeah, defensively. Completely, completely changes their, their their offense, and not having Shazier out there defensively definitely bad, hurts them. Big Ben makes mistakes like that. He, he's a gunslinger. He's done this before. Yep. I think bad execution, play calling, whatever, on the drive before Brady got the ball back, where all they have to do is get a, a first down or two, and they could really run the clock out. But it, it did come back down to Brady just making the plays. You never thought with either of these defenses that they were that good, and I still don't think their defenses are mediocre. I think they're mediocre at best. These are offensively driven teams. And oh, definitely. I mean, I think if push comes to shove, Pittsburgh's the better defense. Uh, yeah. Not without without Shazier, yeah. things sort of change. But when he was when he was in, like their defense, while not the the steel curtain, was starting to look a lot more like they used to. They're still very much an offensive driven team. They're very much more like a high power team, which is not something you would thought you'd ever say about Pittsburgh, but that's what they are. Yeah, Bell is is starting to, I guess, become this all-purpose back that they're going to have to rely on a lot heavier now without without Brown. you got to double Gronk, though. I mean, he was – that was too much single coverage for the best tight end in the yeah. game. Yeah, for sure. It's no excuse for that. <laughs> we'll see now Burkhead out for the Pats, but they win again. Uh, it was a phenomenal game, and it's, set, and it's setting up – we're starting to see – it took us 15 weeks to see what this AFC – playoff picture is going to be still chat with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch effect but I gotta ask you since we're on the topic of weird rules yes about your team your game oh, on God. Sunday night football <laughs> which I love the fact too that it got the worst rating in Pittsburgh like all the Pittsburgh fans are just in yeah. sense with the NFL they just didn't watch Sunday night football well of course first <laughs> off has a team been screwed by weird rules more than the than the Raiders I mean come on oh yeah uh, and I, well on the flip side of that has a team ever benefited on these plays more than the Patriots no I feel like, I like so. look at the breaks oh, yeah. the uh, breaks they've gotten but in your game though okay let, let's the game ends on car fumbling out of the end zone there's a lot of yeah. ugliness in the game by both teams so yeah. I don't think even with everything we're about to say the Raiders should be like, we got completely robbed. Because they played bad. I mean, at the end of the day, they did not play good. And they left points on the board, and they didn't execute. Right. Did, did a piece of paper cause them to lose the game? No. I mean, Matthew <laughs> misses a field goal. Cordell Patterson, you know, has the ball taken away from him. The end of that first half drive was, like, insanely bad. Like, yeah. just ridiculous. From the coaching all the way down to the execution. How they don't at least put three on the board it's... in that drive? No idea. Um, so Dallas moves the chains on a... Fourth and long, long. yeah, a big punt. Where they literally had to, and I didn't know this was a thing, maybe it's not a thing, but they just folded up a sheet of paper and said he reached it. Now, I don't know what your reaction to that is, but I was just kind of dumbfounded. I got a couple of questions. One, how are they measuring this? Because clearly the paper fit between the ball and the end of the chains. Secondly, was that a regulation paper? Was it folded regulation? I mean, what are the rules on this? Like, I don't know. Where does the NFL stand on note, card, on note cards? They're short, yeah. yeah. But clearly, if anything else, that piece of paper showed that there was a gap between where the ball was and the chains. But here's, here's why that moment didn't really tick me off as much as it should. Because when you go back and actually watch the replay, 
They did not spot the ball actually in the right spot. That, Dak, yeah. Dak actually clearly had a first down. And it might have been reviewed the, too. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is if he would have gotten it, if he wouldn't have gotten it, there might yeah. have been a review. Dallas would have challenged it, and they would have won that challenge. That play did not lose the game for the Raiders. No. But the fact that we have this sort of shenanigans in a game <laughs> that has playoff implications is ridiculous. How about both sides of players just caving in? Like, you, you couldn't keep them back. It was all chaos. I was ready for, like, the uh, like the bocce ball style. We're just going to mark it off from feet from the <laughs> sideline and walk in a straight line. Well, but, and you notice, like, the, the ref moved the ball a couple of times before yeah. they fully decided to go with the uh, folded piece of paper method. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you you touched on it. I mean, it, this game has playoff implications. There's a lot of wackiness to it, and I would argue that while neither team looked sharp, I think Dallas specifically, when they had an opportunity to put points up, is why they won this game. Because even when they could get three, they got three. You know, they got touchdowns late. I think that's yeah. that's the thing. And now Oakland on that four, on that unbelievable bailout pass interference call where. I mean, I know Crabtree yeah. was fighting for it, but Carr just chucked it up in the air. And oh, yeah, the he just chucked it, but Crabtree did get no, held, he did. and he did get roughed up. But it was yeah. a gift. It was a gift of sorts, and they're in the red zone, and then Carr goes for it and fumbles out of the end zone, which yep. it happens. It happens. Um, <laughs> he's fighting it happens, for it. it. It's happens. just a bad break. Uh, but yep. that rule itself <laughs> is under scrutiny, too. Do you got to take out the Raiders' rooting interest in this for a second <laughs> if enough. we could? Do you agree with this rule? Because it's been a hot button talking point. A lot of people are not in favor of it. I don't see why I wouldn't be in favor. I mean, what are you going to do? Like he fumbles it out of the end zone, so, and you just give him the ball well, back. The where? rule, the rule, the the, the argument guy. against it. The argument against this rule is that you're punitively just taking the ball away, like you're rewarding the defense for basically not doing much of anything. Well, no, so much I mean, so. They, I mean, you're they, rewarding them with the ball on right. the twenty out of harm's way. I. I don't have a problem with the rule, but me personally, I wouldn't be opposed to something of ball back at the original line of scrimmage or something like that. Yeah, sure. Because if you give I mean, the offense the ball at the one again, it's not like, okay, everyone right. will just I mean, start. I guess there needs to be yeah. some sort of penalty to it, but no. Yeah. I mean, the rule is what it is. In this sense, unlike a catch rule, this one I'm I'm on board with. It's just because had the defense recovered it, it's a touchdown. It could have been it could have been a you know a safety of some kind. Had the defense taking possession of the ball and then lost it. I mean, it's... And two teams, by the way, that Dallas Dallas still in the playoff hunt miraculously. I and mean, they, it's incredible. They, Zeke back. they win their last three without Zeke. It's incredible. They get two big games left. Who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens tonight, but there's still a chance. The Raiders, I mean, still mathematically alive, I think, but yeah, it's, on, it I mean, the thing about it, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not, not but the thing about it, Chris, that like, has to be, the Eagles and the Chargers. Come on. has to be the most frustrating is that this division was right up there for grabs. It's like eight and six is winning it right now. Yep. And the Raiders can't get to eight and six through 14. I mean, they've had, they've yeah. had two big games the last two weeks and they have pooped the bed on both of them. It's, it's frustrating. Is it all OC? I mean, I think Del Rio's got to shoulder a lot of this blame too. You know, I think it's I think it's a number of things. One, I think I think Carr, with the back injury earlier in the season, I think he's been playing hurt all year. I think he came back a little earlier than he probably should have, and he's probably worse off than we know he is. Um, I think that's part of why he's been tentative in the pocket. I think Todd Downing shoulders a lot of the blame for the play calling. Sure, you got to obviously. When there's a coaching issue, you know, coaching rots from the head down. So, yeah, you do have to put some of the blame on Del Rio because at the end of the day, he oversees all of it. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think the defense under Pagano has played a little bit better than they have been. 
they're still not great. I think they've had a lot of injuries, though. Um, so I would expect the defense to be a little better next year. But, yeah, I would like to see a different OC for sure. Well, it's tough times uh, for this Oakland team. But yeah, we'll see. Rough. I mean, it's it, it's just a disappointing team. A lot of people have playoff and even Super Bowl aspirations. Not looking likely this year. But, all right, Chris, moving forward on the Money Mitch effect. I do want to touch on the Saturday games because we got our doubleheader of Saturday action. And sure. what we saw was Alliance team stay alive. They're another team like the Cowboys, 8-6, and six, just floating around there. Yeah. Can't quite flush them down. But then you have the Chiefs take – advantage and probably the game with the biggest implications of any game this week outside they beat the Chargers Pittsburgh New England yeah well, I would even argue more because this is a winner t- that was almost like a winner take all divisional matchup now sure. and with the Chiefs win they're pretty much it I mean they would have to bottom out both games having won the won both matchups head to head with the Chargers so sure well I mean if the Chiefs somehow go 0 and 2 their last couple of games and the Chargers win out then yeah obviously you know the Chargers would take the division by record but yeah, the Chiefs are in the driver's seat. Just a poor they, game by Rivers. That's, I mean, it, it comes down. It was down. a poor game by by the entire Chargers team. I mean, honestly, like defensively, they didn't look as strong mm. as they could. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't look as yeah. good as he should. Granted, he, I don't think he's been that great all year round. Um, yeah, Rivers definitely looked off. I mean, what was it that he was averaging something like close to 400 yards a game these last few games? Keenan Allen was averaging over 100-something yards per game the last few wins, and none of that happened. You can just ask my fantasy team. What happened with Keenan Allen's injury? I know he got carted off, but I didn't hear an update. That I'm not fully sure yet. I th- I, yeah. Usually, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's better news because we're like two days out, and we haven't heard torn ACL or anything like that. Yeah. So uh, it's good. you don't want to see that. Uh, Kansas City, it wasn't great. It was Kareem Hunt having his best game in probably like two months. Since he played the Patriots. That, right? really, yeah. that really got them there. And Kareem Hunt had a touchdown taken away from him because of the weird catch rules too. Oh, he that, caught, yeah, I thought he, he caught, caught the ball. ball. Yeah, He was on the ground and bobbled it, but he no one touched him. He didn't. The ball didn't come loose afterwards. He still held on to it. How was that not a touchdown? I know they settled for three later in that drive, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the difference, weird. but the difference for me was their defense because their defense got absolutely embarrassed in consecutive weeks, the Jets hung 38 on them. Yep. And they come back in, in, a, in the game that they have to have, and they took advantage of it. So props to Kansas City, uh, San Diego with the AFC wild card, still not out of it even if they don't. If they went out and get to 9-7. and seven, Yeah. A lot, of another, a lot more scenarios that we're going to be talking about, but Chargers, if they get to 9-7, and seven, there's a chance. So yeah. And, and the AFC in general, I think, is a lot more up in the air. The NFC, to me, seems like it's pretty much locked up. I know the wild cards are still sort of uh, being figured out, especially with Atlanta playing. Well, essentially, if Atlanta wins tonight, Green Bay is out, given their loss to the Panthers, which we'll touch on in a second. But that also means that Dallas would need them to lose their last two games to have a chance because of the head-to-head tiebreaker. Now, Detroit's a little different because I don't think they've played it. Oh, no, they did. Atlanta beat Detroit, too, so there it will be. Uh, And that controversial ending. With the oh, Golden Tate thing. That's right. That's so essentially, Atlanta wins yes. today. One more win gets them into the playoffs regardless. But they're playing some division heavyweights. they got to play Carolina and New Orleans down the stretch. So, Yeah, that's true. And honestly, it's weird. It's been a while since I've said this, but I would not want to face pretty much any NFC South team in the playoffs right no, now. I, I, Tampa Bay. I, I made the argument either. that going into this playoffs, there's going to be at least one good team left off of the playoff picture. 
Maybe not anymore, given what's happened to Seattle. But that I think is an injury thing. It yeah. looks like they're you know they're another team that has to win out and get some help now. Yeah. Um, but injuries ravage them. You could say that for a lot of these teams. But yeah, it's a it's a detailed playoff picture. That Carolina Green Bay game though, that's the one that I really want to talk about because sure. Green Bay got Aaron Rodgers back. Yep. It was not enough. An onside kick at the end kept them in it, but they lose thirty-one to twenty-four. I'm not going to blame Rodgers for looking like a mortal when he comes back without throwing the ball for three months. Yeah, well, you know. coming back from a broken collarbone, too. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not like, it's like you can just come back and just play football. Like, yeah, that. just here, just go out there and throw the ball 30 times a game against Look, one of the best defenses in football. Yeah, and in cold, well, cold-ish weather, I guess, yeah. Carolina looks tough, though. Carolina and does. Cam's getting back to being very, very efficient in his running and passing decision-making. Oh, yeah. McCaffrey has... Fully developed now into a legit weapon, and they're utilizing them a they lot are. more than they were at the beginning of the year. They didn't forget about Stewart. They're, they're still. I look at I look at the Carolina offense as a bunch of just toys, <laughs> and yeah. but you can't play with your favorite one all day, and that's I and think that's the like, problem. With your favorite this. toy is Greg Olson, then you could do that. Well, yeah, I mean Jesus, what a game it was. <laughs> but for that, he was out for a lot of the year too, and they're still in the playoff hunt. Like, yeah, that's amazing. I think Carolina. Who's your TV star, Greg Olson? Because he's going to be a he's going to work for a broadcast. Oh company. yeah, he's yeah, already he's, doing it during the season. He's, he's got <laughs> he's got a face for TV for sure. Um, no, but I was I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I honestly believe that Carolina is quietly having one of the better years. Like they're not getting as much of the hype because they're not as electrifying as they were, you know, when they went or, at, or as their division mates who were yeah. pretty electrifying offenses. You know, they've too. been flying under the radar, but defensively they're very strong and offensively, you know, they can put up points and uh, this is definitely a team I would be afraid of to play against in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the, their defense getting back to Carolina Panther football with Keekly, with Davis, who's now suspended after that yeah. hit on Adams, which... Well, and to be fair, he should be suspended. He game. should be, and I... At least he had remorse. I, J.J. Smith Schuster, which we didn't talk about. So did they reenacted the he perfect hit? A, I mean, a touchdown that he didn't score. <laughs> it's just like I, I, he said it wasn't me in his post-game press conference after the perfect. Okay, come on. Sure. It's not you. You just celebrated yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But at least Davis, he, he, he needed to be suspended because he did this in week five against Tampa Bay. Yeah. So he's a repeat offender. But I do think Carolina poses a, a legitimate threat in the NFC like a lot of these teams. And one last note on Green Bay. Maybe now we'll start to build. Maybe now the Packers will start to build a team that doesn't revolve around one guy. Yeah, you'd think this is the wake up call they need. Like, oh, Super Bowl aspirations, one injury, and you're just nothing. Like the Browns yeah. should have beaten them two weeks ago. Yeah, and um, I'll say this about Carolina too. And the reason why I would look out for this team, outside of potentially playing in Philadelphia, they're going to be basically playing either in a dome or a nice weather area. You know, Los Angeles, Minnesota is in a dome. Atlanta, you know, it's New Orleans. So weather's not going to be a factor for this team, and definitely, like I said, they're going to be dangerous. You know, I don't know if I wouldn't put them as my favorite in the NFC, but they're definitely a team to look out for. For sure. Well, Chris Miller, Money Mitch. In fact, before we get to the worst team of all time, I wanted I want to just briefly uplift my spirits and talk about one storyline, one player that's uh, got me geeked to watch NFL football. Oh, okay. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Love watching him play. And as you recall, there was he was the guy I said the Browns should sell the farm for. Yeah. And right. uh, yeah. I know there's a lot of time left, but he couldn't have landed in a better situation with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. And a what he does for young quarterbacks. Look at his first couple starts with Matt Ryan. 
I yeah. gotta say, he's made the Niners must-watch TV. I didn't think anybody could make the Niners. They've they've yeah. won the last three games over some pretty Robbie quality Gould teams. Won the last three games, but okay, okay. yeah. But I mean, they won one of their games. Is CJ Beathard is CJ Beathard driving them down against the Titans to to put them in field goal range? No, but no, but I'll say this about Garoppolo: it is his ability to throw the ball quick release that gets me. His yeah. pocket presence is amazing, and San Francisco has what they're looking for. There's no need to tank when you have a good quarterback. Right. No, and that's what it comes down to. For all you know, for any of the Niners fans who are wondering why the Niners aren't, you know, doing just that, like Garoppolo's a good quarterback. I mean, who's the off, guy? <laughs> first off, look at who he was learning from for the past few years. You know, between the coaching staff and, of course, you know, Tom Brady. So he has that pedigree, <laughs> academically, you know, football academics. Um, Eastern Illinois is a good that, school too. No, Eastern Illinois might be a good school too. Oh well, we yeah, know. sure. Well, I'm I'm talking about football. Yeah, I, know. I know. You know, academics. But yes. So you have yeah you have potentially a franchise quarterback, a, a person who other teams like the Browns were trying to make their franchise quarterback. So as much as I hate to say it, you know, it's probably a, a good time to be a little bit hopeful in San Francisco. I still think they have a lot of pieces they need to get into place. You know, he still needs some better weapons. To right, throw like the he's ball doing to. this with Marquise Goodwin as his top guy, which right, you know, you know Garrett Selleck. But you get that you get that part figured out. Uh, the defense is is okay. It's not what they were, but it's okay. So yeah, I mean they're they're still probably a good two three years out. I think from really being competitors, but they're definitely looking a lot better than they did at the beginning of this year. I think here's something I'll say that might be. I don't know if it's controversial. New England may have buyer's remorse. And what I mean by that is it reminds me of a much, I would say, maybe better version of the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah. Where what did Green Bay do? They sacrificed in the short term for a longer success rate. Because if they would have kept on to Favre, they would have had another three, four years maybe, and then that's it, and then it peters out, and then they're rebuilding bottom up. Yeah. I worry that that – not worry because I don't care if it happens or not, but I wonder <laughs> if that's going to be the same thing that happens in New England because if Brady can go for another three years, they're going to – I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in his late 20s hitting his peak. and Yeah. I just – that's where I think there might be some remorse, and that's why I think if there's sure. anybody else but Tom Brady, well, you look at- he's gone. Just like you were saying with the Packers, you know, like a team that's one player away from ruining everything. I mean, the Patriots are right there teetering. I mean, you lose Brady. Who's their backup? Brian Hoyer? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd like to think that Brian Hoyer can maybe show up like Garoppolo and Brissett did last year. But with, he, the, with the not, McDaniels offense and and their scheme, maybe they could steal a game uh, here, but not go on a long run. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you I, think they're a, playoff, a Super Bowl winning oh, team no. if Brady gets hurt no, in the next couple it, weeks? No, but in the – in the much worse AFC, they can win a few playoff games. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they beat a Pittsburgh. I don't think they beat a Kansas City. I could be talking to it, but we'll, hopefully we don't get there. But with all <laughs> I don't these think injuries, they beat a Jacksonville either. Jack, with Jacksonville's defense, Brian Hoyer is your quarterback. Yeah, yeah. In Foxborough, maybe sure. That's yeah. where the thing is. Now that they have home field pretty much locked up. Right, but when you have poor weather like they're going to have in Foxborough. You got to give the edge to the better defense yeah. in that scenario, and the Jags have a much better defense. I will say, I want to see Fournette on the though. field. Yes, because they've looked great, and we'll segue right into that. <laughs> the Jaguars looking great, clinching their playoff. Yeah, the playoffs for the first How time in a that? decade. I love it. Saxonville, 
Duval yeah. County back at it. Well, not even only Saxonville, but uh, this last game. Bortles has uh, looked good. Yeah. Crazy, then, right? It's the first time he's put together, I think, three straight games with over 100 QBR. He's first, he's first in QBR in the last three weeks, too. Yeah. But uh, after this game, now not only is Jacksonville first in sacks, but I believe they're tied for first for interceptions as well. Can we shut down best offseason acquisition? And I'll even throw midseason with Garoppolo. It's been Clay's Campbell. Oh, for it's sure. It's ridiculous. He's exactly what they needed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he I, – I, What is Arizona doing? What is Arizona doing? Like, no I don't – Tanking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, but they still, they, but they, but they still threw know. out Carson Palmer to start the year. Yeah. Jacksonville's defense is secondary. Bouye and Ramsey are the best duo of corners. But here's the thing, though. like Jacksonville, after this game, and I know my numbers aren't cor- fully correct, but they're around 49, 50 sacks for the season, right? And 40 of those, I believe, came from their front four. Oof. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, that's that's they don't have to blitz. That's what that shows you. That's part of the reason why their secondary is playing so much better. If you can rush four and keep seven back, like that's you're gonna get a lot of picks. You're gonna get a lot of deflected passes. I think it comes down to Fournette's health and Bortles. Can he keep this up in the playoffs? Right. Because it's kind of like how Houston was a thorn in in New England side last year, even with Brock Osweiler, because they were physical and they got to Brady. You gotta you gotta have a quarterback that makes plays, and you gotta have a running game that's gonna control the clock, and keep that offense off the field. I'm excited. I hope to see it. I was kind of hoping to see New England slot down to two, and yeah. maybe see that match up in the second round. But um, who knows what's gonna happen? I still think there's there's some gonna be some jittery vulnerability. This is a team that hasn't been to the playoffs, right? And they're so. for all intents and purposes, outside of Clay's Campbell, they're a pretty young team. Not that Clay's Campbell's old. So there is that element, but I'll tell you this much. If I'm Pittsburgh or New England, I'm definitely afraid, especially Pittsburgh, because they, yeah. they, they took it to Pittsburgh. So this is definitely a team to, to, to look out for. I don't know if they're necessarily a Super Bowl team with that quarterback, but if Fournette can come back and be Fournette, you know, Mr. 100-something yards a game, definitely a team to look out for with that defense. Yeah, nothing would give me joy than to see Big Ben duplicate that five-pick performance or six-pick performance <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, all right, Chris Miller, Money Mitch Effect, something that's not giving me joy, 0-14. Yeah. I Thank thought we already that. talked about the first team in football. Yeah. Oh, you, know, you met the Browns. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. you Now <laughs> you take it back, the Niners-Browns, you've said multiple times. Well, but that was before the but Niners had Garoppolo. Yeah. Had, had the Browns yeah. actually made a trade for Garoppolo? How oh, funny maybe, is it that we might end up with the the Browns might end up with a draft pick to Cincinnati for Hugh Jackson? Did you see that story? Oh, God. They want maybe him to take over with Lewis maybe being a GM or something. But, look, Hugh Jackson sucks. Dorsey is the new guy. I trust what he's done as much as I've trusted everybody that's come in and blown it. But whatever, he's got (laughs) pedigree. Get Hugh out of there. Jimmy Haslam needs to stay away from all football operations. And they have to find the quarterback of the future because Kaiser sucks. Yeah, you know, and I feel bad because at the beginning of the year he looked okay, you know. Um, again, like I said, I, I, I think the Browns, I don't want to say they're a quarterback away from being a competitive team because they're not. No. Um, but the fact that Josh Gordon is back and he's actually looked pretty good, not fantastic, but pretty good, is, is something to be hopeful. You know, a healthy Corey Coleman would be nice. But even you know? that, I'm not, Coleman is just a three receiver at best. Like, he's dropping touchdowns in the end zone too this year, so. Yeah, but I mean, how much of that is, is him and how much of that is just poor throws? 
Well, the, at least one was him. Yeah. yeah. But no, hands, I mean, sure. maybe there's something there. Um, it would be better to get skill guys to get playmakers. Garrett, Miles Garrett can't stay on the field either. I mean, that's another thing. Yeah. The defense is playing yeah. a little better, but. Yeah, Jabril, Jabril Peppers hasn't been lighting it up as much as I would like no. to. But I will say this, though. I think they definitely uh, nailed it with Njoku. He's been looking great. And he's made some really great catches. Yeah. In the I, end, so. He needs a quarterback to throw him the ball. It all comes well, right. back to that. And I think. Without, and I would still double down on getting, moving on from Crowell, keeping Duke as your as your scat back, essentially your pass catching back, sure, and then getting a legit halfback. But well, it all not, comes. Why not, why not run like more of a, a New Orleans style offense then, where oh, you have yeah. someone like a Camara? Well, that's best case that? scenario for every team in the league. Well, no, I know, but I mean, you know, move away from from yeah. Crowell as a power back. Keep Johnson because Johnson's not a power back. No, but he's at his value. I think. My biggest, my biggest thing is always is whatever happens this year. You have all these draft picks. Get the quarterback. Get like two you, first, two seconds. Do you think they're better drafting a quarterback in this scenario, or do you think they're better off well, using those trades to get a quarterback? So Cousins is the only one, right, that would be worth investing in the long term money of who's available now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, not McCarron, not Eli Manning, not well, like Eli's not yeah, going to go to Cleveland yeah. to end. His well, that's career. why I don't think Cousins is going to go there either. Why would you if you're Kirk? No, I mean I don't necessarily think Kirk Cousins stays in Washington, but yeah, I don't I don't see him going to Cleveland either. I would draft. I mean, find the guy, draft him. I mean, you got four. So as a as a Browns fan, who who do you want? Do you want Darnold? You want Rosen? I still want Darnold. I think Rosen throws the better ball, but I like Darnold's pocket presence. Yeah, and I think he's the guy. But he could very well go back to school. I think they're. I think we're a little early in our quarterback development. I gotta. Yeah. study up a little bit, but I still like Arnold. Well, and here's the thing, and I hate to you know, quote Cowherd on this one, but I think he had it right when it comes to a team like Cleveland, Darnold's your better guy, and even though he doesn't throw the ball quite as well as Rosen might, he's a bigger body, and in that city, in that weather, Mobile. you need a large body. You don't want a Manziel as much, you know. You don't yeah. want RG three. Those are not the kind of quarterbacks to play in that that weather. You need someone who's a big guy who can handle the brutalness of the Cleveland the Cleveland weather and the Cleveland fans. And I think Darnold, yeah, I think Darnold yeah. will be the better choice for them. Well, hopefully, I mean, I'm still not giving up hope on this week. The Bears, the Bears are not good. They can win that game. There's still a chance. And who they finish the season out? Pittsburgh. With? But Pittsburgh might not be playing for anything at that point, so you never know. Oh, God. Well, if only I was so lucky, the, that would be the one win of the season would be against Pittsburgh. You know the sad thing, though, is like, if let's just say let's just say on the off chance Cleveland goes 0-16 this year, right? So wasn't that like the, the last... off chance. In the last three <laughs> the years, team. they've won three games then, like, they yeah. won one, year, one game last year, two, before, two, yeah. two the year before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Hugh Jackson, though, gets a vote of confidence from the ownership. Unbelievable. All right. I've been there. I understand how you feel, and it's tough, but, you know, things do get better. All right. Money Mitch Effect, Chris Miller, as we wrap this up, I did want to get a chance to talk about the playoff picture. First, looking at the NFC, just a general overview, because we got some big games this weekend Dallas and Seattle, and pretty much an elimination game. Yeah. New Orleans and Atlanta rematching it up. I do say, though, I mean, the Eagles, I, I'm not – sorry. I just – I don't see it. I think they're going to be one and done. You know – I know they got the bye, but they barely beat the Giants. They're 12-2. and two. Yeah. And you're going to have a hot team coming in to play them, which, you know, right now if they get the one seed, you're looking at an NFC South team. Yeah. Or who's that fourth division winner going to be uh, seed-wise? It would probably be the Rams. The, yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh. Are Rams, are Rams really the four seed right now? Yeah, they are. Wow. Sure. Um, I'm just not liking it. I mean. But it could also be it could also be a Carolina. It could be Atlanta. I gotta I gotta say I think the playoffs in the NFC are gonna go. It'd be it'd be shocking to see a team like Seattle or Dallas or Detroit get in there. So I think we are gonna see these six teams. But I don't I don't know. I mean I I don't like the Eagles. That's all I can really say. I think I trust you. Minnesota was your squad and they've looked sharp defensively. They've looked great. And can I just take a quick moment? How awesome, even though he didn't look fantastic, how Teddy. awesome to see Teddy yeah. back out there. You know, whether you're a Vikings fan or not, what he went through with that injury, the fact that he's walking first off, mm-hmm. you know, considering how it sounded is amazing. And the fact that he was out there taking snaps, that was awesome. And I was listening to that game call with headphones on, and you could get a real good sense of just how loud and how, like, Stoked those fans were to see him out there. It was an awesome sight. AFC, NFC South teams on the road first round could be <laughs> could be very interesting. Those matchups are going to yeah. Be well, incredible. New Orleans New Orleans will have a home game for their you know if they beat Atlanta first. they got to beat Atlanta yeah uh, and this well, right week. but one of those teams is going to have a home yeah, game the first will. round because yeah. they'll be a division winner so we'll see yeah uh, again. Outside of Philadelphia, there's not a lot of traveling that's going to be going on as far as like inclement weather. You yeah, know? Minnesota being Minnesota's in a dome. Yeah, uh, you've got you know the Rams are in Los Angeles. Yeah, like that, that Carolina brutal, gets that brutal, brutal yeah, that Los brutal. Angeles January. Oh god, it's like 55 at yeah. night here. Oh my god, yeah, it's like a it's like a <laughs> I had to put on a jacket. Oh no, risk 59 Gosh, outside. Jesus, yeah. how am I going to walk my dog? Yeah, not yeah. that I have a dog, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, well, hey, we'll see. I'm just I'm looking forward to the NFC playoffs in particular. Not as much the AFC, but mostly the yeah, NFC. Yeah, I mean, granted, you know, the Raiders not being playoff hopefuls at this point sort of wanes my my enthusiasm. For There's the just AFC more contenders in the NFC, the, though, right? The NFC to me this year has been more fun to watch. Yeah. I'm hoping you know that one of them comes away victorious. I definitely don't want to see you know the Patriots win another one. Uh, but yeah, I mean the Saints have been would it been su- amazing to watch that revitalization of Drew Brees has been great. Would it surprise you if any of the six teams? I mean, I guess the Eagles would be the most surprising now with Wentz down. But if I said X was Super Bowl champion, I don't think it would surprise me. No, I mean I think of the six teams, I would probably be the most surprised if the Rams won. But I again, mean they don't have many weaknesses. Is, that, that, that offense is, is electrifying. Uh, the defense is. Is pretty darn good too. So, uh, yeah, I think outside of the Eagles, I'd like to think that this game against the Giants though was sort of an aberration. That the it wasn't Wentz not being there that made the defense play poorly. Exactly. You know, and that defense is a lot better than they played yesterday. And that could have been just playing down to your opponent. It could have been the extra excitement, you know, of the moment. It could have been. You know, the fact that, you know, for the first part of the game, you know, Foles and the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough to rest the defense. I wouldn't be as worried about the Eagles as you are, but okay. uh, I definitely think that they lost a bit of their favored status when Wentz went down, but they're still uh, going to be a tough team. Probably just because Wentz has been so good that yeah. it's a step down, nothing against Foles, but Wentz was looking like an MVP of the league, and, and that happened. What about the AFC, though? Who gets those wild card spots? 
Because the visions look like they're all taken for. Yeah, exactly. Right. The, not that the Titans have been a train wreck. Yeah. They're probably going to finish eight and eight. I think. I think the Chargers have a good chance really? of being a wild card, if not a division winner. Okay. Because um, as it stands right now, I think it's Bills and Ravens right now, both oh eight God. and six. The Ravens, I definitely think, yeah. Bills. Titans are eight know. and six also. So the Chargers have to win out. Yeah. I don't know how they fare on the tiebreaker. Oh, they did kill the Bills though. Bills got the Pats this week. The Bills dropped out. Yeah. Bills win this game. They're pretty much in the playoffs. Break the longest streak, even longer than the Browns. Yeah. Of her missing the playoffs. But if they lose, they they probably will be done. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a big game there. I would love to see the Bills get in, just uh, because you always like that that team that hasn't been there for a while to finally get in. And, and the Bills are decently fun to watch. You know, like I said, I think the Chargers went out. You know, I'd like to say the Raiders go into Los Angeles in Week 17 and ruin it for them, but I, I just don't see that happening. I just, I've lost a lot of faith in my team. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I would. Gosh, I think the, the Chargers will find a way to sneak in. I yeah. do too. And the Ravens are a better team than their record shows. I think, but yeah. they've beaten so many bad quarterbacks. Though I know you can only play the schedule in front of you, but yeah. they've gotten some for good fortune too. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, I didn't but, say the I didn't say the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl. No. I just think they have a chance of making it in for okay. sure. Ravens and Chargers, I can dig that. I think so. Titan, we're not saying Titans. It's funny they were eight and four two weeks ago, and yeah, now I'll look at them. The Titans are kind of falling apart. I mean, come on. Anytime you lose to the Niners, you gotta say that's a problem going on <laughs> hey, there. Jimmy G, Jimmy future, G, the future. All he does is win, All sort of. of. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. All right, he's got two. He's two time Super Bowl champ. What else? Uh, all right, Chris, well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Chris Miller, this was fun. Thanks for coming by. Happy holidays. We'll have to check back when the playoffs get going. Yeah, definitely. That's been great. You know, love right. talking football. All right, man. Thanks for stopping by. Anytime. And that's it for today's show. Thanks again to Chris Miller and Bradford Bruns for appearing on the Money Mitch Effect, which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect, and the whole series comes right up. Hope everybody out there has a wonderful and merry, merry Christmas. We'll be back next week to discuss more college bowls, some NFL talk, as well as other sports storylines. You never know what will come up in the world of sports, but the Money Mitch Effect has you covered, and that was not a pun on gambling, I can assure you that. Mitch Michael signing off. Thanks again for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, have a Merry Christmas and keep enjoying sports.